This is Real Estate Rookie, episode 110. My name is Ashley Kerr, and I am here with Tony Robinson. And today is a rookie reply. We have pulled a question from Facebook for you guys uh, that we are going to go over. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com biggerpockets. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tony, what is today's question? All right. So today's question is, and I'll have to look up who it's from. It's from Rhett Miller. Rhett posted in the Real Estate Rookie Facebook group, how do you inform an inherited tenant of changes in ownership after you close on a property? So all of my long-term rentals, they came vacant, right? I bought them vacant, then we rehabbed them. So I've never actually had to deal with inheriting someone else's tenant. So Ashley, the queen of property management, tell us your, your experience. What do you think of this? I'm not sure if I actually hold that title, but um, <laughs> between me and you, I will take it. <laughs> so I, but the first thing is uh, something that can come up is when an investor or anybody is selling a property, they may not want the tenants to know that they are selling. Uh, so I have a property under contract right now, and the owner does not want the tenants to know because of fear that they're just going to stop paying rent or I don't know what bad things he thinks will happen, but he doesn't want them to know. But the first thing you should do is try to negotiate with the seller that you can send estoppel agreements to the tenants. And this would be before you, before you even close on the property. So this could be done during your due diligence period where you're sending them a sheet of paper and it basically you know has them put their name, their lease terms, such as what are they paying for rent, 
Do they have any pets? When does their lease expire? Do they do the snow plowing and landscaping or is that not included? So there's different things that you want to ask on this form, but it's things basically you're verifying their lease agreement and then asking other conditions to, you know, what utilities are they paying? It's just giving you that check that whatever the landlord is saying and is the same as what the tenant is saying. And another big one too is the security deposit. Make sure they're both on the same page about the security deposit. It definitely helps if you're getting copies of the lease agreements so you can, you know, make sure what they're saying is true because basically you're really going off the lease agreement and not really what anyone said. But a lot of times these mom and pop landlords, they don't have lease agreements. It can be just a verbal agreement or no detail at all in the lease. So that's a great time to send these estoppel agreements so that you know you're on the same page. And then as far as when you purchase the property, so you at least want to let them know the day of when you close, when you have taken over ownership of the property. And a great way to do that is to put something in writing. So that could be, you could be dropping these off at the doors. You could be mailing them out so that they arrive the day you close. But I think a a great way is to actually tape it to their door, hand deliver them so you know that they're getting and then send another copy or certified mail or something like that. If it's property that has some common areas, you can post like a notice. Here's the new owner's information. This is how you contact them. This is what you do for maintenance different things like that. But I really like to put everything in writing. I'm pretty sure if they try and call the other landlord, the other landlord's not going to answer because they're not the landlord. They don't have to deal with that property or they will and they will just forward on to your information. One thing you might not want to happen, which has happened to me, is one tenant did not receive my information correctly and the owner gave them my personal cell phone number and I have always used a Google Voice number So there was a a little mix up there, which can be avoided with providing your information right at closing as soon as you take over the property. So what other things am I missing that you'd want to know, Tony? Yeah, no, so much good information there. So with this estoppel agreement, what happens if there's no lease in place, right? Say the super mom and pop, like you said, it's all verbal. When you go out and try and fill out this estoppel agreement, what if they're like, we never talked about any of these things? Can you force a new lease on that tenant if since they haven't signed one or what's like the and this will probably very safe to state, but at least where you're at, like, what's the process if there is no lease? Yeah. So if there's no lease and they're considered month to month, but you still have to give them notice if you're going to increase the rent. So I don't know offhand what it is, but in New York state, it's something like if they've lived there less than a year, you give 30 day notice. If they've lived there less than two years, you give 60 day notice. And anything beyond that, I think it's 90 day notice maybe. So you would have to follow uh, rules like that. So if the day you're closing, you could also negotiate in your contract with the seller that they give notice to the tenants so that in New York state, it takes 30 to 90 days to close on a property anyway. So you could always negotiate that they're giving notice for that rent increase to cover some of that time period too. And then do you like actually shake hands and introduce yourself when you buy a new property or is it just like mailing them the information, the estoppel agreement or the the new leases? Yeah, I've always just mailed uh, in the very beginning when I only had a, a couple properties, I was there working on the properties and I was there for the showings and things like that. And they would know that I was the owner. But other than that, after that, I 
tried to see myself more as the property manager than as the owner. And I would mail things and try to limit as much time as I, so I didn't have to go to the property as often, but. Have you ever had any issues trying to enforce new leases with some of the inherited tenants? No, not really. Because something I will do, there was this woman that had lived in her apartment for 30 years. It was a two bedroom, one bath. Everybody else was paying $500 a month, which was still below market. And she was paying $300 a month. So what I did with her was I did a gradual increase. So I think it over six months, we increased it to, I think, 425 because she was the only one paying her own water, but to kind of even it out. So I try to work with people to do it that way instead of just like, oh, next month, your rent's increasing to by $125. And then I'll also do uh, comparables. I'll show them that I'm actually bringing their rent up to market rent. So I do a letter that states comparables in the area. So like this apartment is listed online for this amount of rent. It's the same as yours, two bedrooms, one bathroom, the same amount of upgrades to it. And this one is 800 a month and I'm offering you still 750 or something like that. So I try and show them that I am not being unfair. I'm not being outrageous. I'm just, they've gotten a great deal for so long and I'm just bringing it up to market rents. Last question. Do you often have tenants vacate Uh, when they get the notice of the rent increases? Or would you say maybe it's like 50-50? I really don't have anyone that has vacated, I don't think, because of a rent increase ever, actually, because I try and do it so fairly where it's not a huge amount. But no, I haven't dealt with that. Man, you made made it sound easy. Yeah. <laughs> made it sound super. I easy. mean, I still have had vacancies where I get people to leave, but never for a rent increase. I guess. Yeah. yeah. I would just think, you know, maybe maybe that's part of Rhett's logic here as well as like, you know, hey, if I buy this place and then I try and increase the rents, am I going to end up with four empty units? But it sounds like as long as he does it in a kind of fair and consistent manner, hopefully it's not too much of an issue. Yeah, and it also takes time for people to find housing too, so it's probably wouldn't be immediate because they have to give you notice that they're going to be leaving and the chances of them all leaving. But also you can do a walkthrough with them and say, you know, I would like to increase the rent to this. And maybe there's a couple things they would like done in the property that you can show like, okay, I'm going to fix this for you, make this nice. And your rent is going to go up to this. So definitely communicating with your tenants and listening to them, just like we always talk about with a seller, like, why are they selling? Same with a tenant. Why would they want to move? Why do they want to stay? Things like that, especially your first property. Yeah. Well, love it, Ash. I feel like we hit Rhett's question or if not, we, I did no heavy lifting in this episode, but <laughs> you ask I, feel great like questions, you, <laughs> I feel like you, you answer Rhett's question so well. So I don't know. Any, any final closing thoughts? No, I don't think so. Thank you for interviewing me for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> do my best Oprah impression today. <laughs> you get a car. You get a car. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for listening to today's Rookie Reply. I'm Ashley at Wealth From Rentals, and he's Tony at Tony J. Robinson. And we can't wait to see you guys in New Orleans at the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Conference. The 
market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals, enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.